Do you believe it? Do you believe in the powerful name of Jesus? I can't tell you what an honor it is to be up here with you guys. I never take it lightly. Um, I, I believe that one of the best gifts God gave me was my family. Yeah. And uh, the leadership of my mom and dad has meant the world to me. And, you know, it's a big piece of our heart that we continue to, to grow and to learn and get better. And there is no mentor I would rather have on planet Earth than my dad, Doc. Yeah. And we have uh, been talking for quite some time, and we thought, man, as we learn and as we grow, why not take it to you guys in the form of a podcast? So Dad and I are doing a podcast. It's called Grow Potential, and the whole idea is to help you grow into your full potential. We're going to be kicking it off tomorrow, so you can listen to it on your way to work, on your way home. We're going to keep them under 30 minutes, and the first one is on identity and just truly living your authentic life, so we're pretty excited about that might be a little awkward. We've never done anything like it before, so bear with us. We will learn as we go, okay? I want to do a huge shout out to Terry, who is watching in Texas. It's her birthday, and she's with her son, Jody. So happy birthday, Terry, in Texas. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are such an awesome God. You are so much better than we even know or think. And my heart is captivated by it. My heart longs to know you better and better and better. Today, I pray that you open up our hearts, that you help us see you in a new way, that you help us to see your mercy, why you truly came, that the things that we do not like about ourselves, Father, that you came just for that. And I pray that it'll make a difference in how we see ourselves and how we see you. In your awesome son's name we pray. Amen. I'm already crying. We are in trouble. I am a crybaby because this sermon, it's like the whole reason why I do ministry. It's like the whole reason I have given my life to follow God. And it just profoundly impacts my heart. So forgive me, I'm probably going to cry most of the sermon. Okay, so I was thinking about this idea, and I have a girlfriend I met um, years and years ago. And we hit it off instantly. You know when you meet someone and you're like, these are my kind of people? Like, you just click. You just know you're going to get along. Well, her and her husband, they were my kind of people. And we went out with them for the first time, and she shared her story with me. And her story kind of wrecked me, broke my heart. Because it was like the ugliest version of what you want for someone. You see, she was, she grew up in a Christian home. She went to Christian schools. And at the age of 15, she wasn't feeling good. Her mom had taken her to the doctors, and she told me, she's like, I will remember this date for the rest of my life. It was November 13th, 1987. And she said, I remember it for the rest of my life because it was the day that changed everything. 
the doctor called and told her mom that she was pregnant. So she was a sophomore in high school, and I can easily imagine how she felt. I can easily imagine the fear that swept over her heart. I can easily imagine the shame that covered her. I can easily imagine the fear of what would people think. And this 15-year-old girl was broken. At the same time, her dad was becoming a pastor in a church. And the church decided that it would be best if this young 15-year-old girl stood up on the stage and tried to apologize to the whole church and ask for forgiveness. So this broken little girl was now humiliated. She went to a Christian high school, and the Christian high school said she was welcome to come back after she had the baby, but as long as she was pregnant, she needed to not be there. So they asked her to come after hours when no one could see her, clean out her locker, and she could come back next year. They, her parents took her to this like Christian camp, and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to send you to a host house, and you can be pregnant here. You can put the baby up for adoption, and then when it's all said and done, you can come back home, and we'll move on as if life was normal. breaks my heart for her. Because everything they taught her was that if you are broken, you hide that. If you have something ugly or something unpresentable, you tuck that away tight. They showed her that church was not your safest place to land. That instead, church was the place you are going to be judged and embarrassed. And I don't know about you, but that really makes me angry. Can I get an amen? It makes me angry because this beautiful woman can't even stand the thought as a full-grown adult to walk inside a church. As I was talking to her, she couldn't even say the name of God because he is not her safest place. She learned, no, 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 you tuck all that in tight. You don't let anyone know. You keep it in the shadows because otherwise you are judged, you're condemned, and there's not a safe place for you. Some point, all of us have learned the same thing. Might look different, but at some time we have learned what we can present to the world and what's unpresentable. We've learned what you can bring and show, and we have this best self, and we put on the face, right? We put on the persona. You could be cussing your husband out in the car, but you get to church, and you're like, hi, good to see you. I'm blessed and highly favored, you know? But we've all learned you tuck it away. You tuck the ugly away, and you, you, grow the good side, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But you deny, you repress, you ignore, and you shut out the things you don't like about yourself. And what kills me is that has never worked for anybody. 
It has never worked. When you're dying on the inside and you show up with that plastered persona, but on the inside you want to cry. It doesn't work when you're hurting and you just lie and you're like, everything's good, everything's fine. It doesn't work. And what I longed when I was listening to my friend, we were just crying on the phone together, when I, what I longed for was for her to know her true creator. I longed for her to know the God that chose her, that formed her, that loved her. I longed for her to know the depth of his love. And I hated that people took that away. But I long for it for all of us. That we can know the full depth of the love that God has for each and every one of us. I long for you to know that God is so much better than you think. That the things that we have to hide and shy away from has never been his good idea. Never for a second. And today I pray that your hearts are open. That they're open to seeing him maybe a little bit differently than you ever have. And maybe seeing your brokenness a little bit different than you ever have. I was reading in Matthew, and I was kind of uh, uh, compelled by Matthew's story. Now, here's the thing, that you don't know much about Matthew. And anytime I'm preaching or doing a sermon, like, I want to know everything there is to know so that I can kind of put the picture out there and truly understand it in my heart. And there's just not a ton of information on Matthew. You know he's a disciple. You know he's a tax collector. You know he wrote Matthew. You know... They called him Levi. But there's, like, no cool story about what he did when he followed Christ. There's no cool story about, like, walking on water or all the cool stuff. You, don't, you just don't get a lot from Matthew. So what we do get is we get a calling. And it's in Matthew 9. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now I'm snotting, guys. This is just ridiculous. I'm so sorry. Okay, so it is easy to read the Bible and pass by things, yes? Like, it's easy for me to read that a hundred times all my life and to be like, cool. But here's what you need to know. Tax collectors, Matthew was a tax collector. We also know that. He was a tax collector, and tax collectors were basically considered lying, cheating traitors, okay? At the time, the Roman Empire had taken over Israel. They'd taken over Israel. And to collect their taxes, they would use these Israelites, these Jewish people, to collect their taxes. So if you were a tax collector, you were a traitor to your people, okay? Because now you're collecting Rome's taxes for them. And on top of it, often these tax collectors would take more than they should. And so they took it off the top. So they're robbing their own people. And here sits Matthew, a tax collector. And Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. It's easy to pass by, but it's captivating to my heart. It's captivating to my heart because Matthew's ugly is kind of out for everyone to see, right? Everyone knows what a tax collector means. And it's captivating to my heart because Jesus doesn't wait for Matthew to get out of the booth. He doesn't secretly grab him and like, Psst, hey, Matthew. 
don't want anyone to hear this, but I want you to follow me. He didn't care who heard. He went up to the tax booth and he said, follow me for all to hear. See, he said, I see you, Matthew. I see all of you, and I want you. You see, he didn't say, ooh, Matthew, I want you to follow me one day, but you're going to need to clean up the act, buddy. Before you can follow me, you're going to have to put the, the right attitude on, the right heart. You're going to have to really get it together before you follow me. It's not what he said. He said, you're my guy. I want you to follow me. And Matthew followed him. And just because Jesus is the legit greatest of all time, he really sticks it here. And he goes to Matthew's house for dinner. Now, you just don't do this. It's unheard of. The gasps, the people that would have just been through the roof. You're going to this traitor, this cheater, this liar's house. And on top of it, most tax collectors, they didn't really have families because they were traitors. They didn't really have, they would hang out with other tax collectors and other sinners, okay? So Jesus going to their, Matthew's house is this giant, huge deal. It's a big deal. Jesus is flipping up everything that religion thinks is proper and right. When I read these stories, I don't know how anyone doesn't want to follow him. I am like, he is so amazing. I love him. I love that he flips it all around. I just want to follow him and know more about him. But haters are going to hate, right? Haters are going to hate. And the Pharisees, the religious people, they look at this. They see Jesus at Matthew's house. And instead of going to Jesus, they like to stir the pot, right? They like to stir the pot, and they don't go to Jesus to ask. They go to his disciples. Because why not plant a seed of doubt? Why not try to gossip? Why not try to stir up some trouble? And they go to his disciples, and they say, Why does your teacher hang out with sinners and tax collectors? What they were saying is, if he was truly religious, he would never do that. If he was truly a prophet, if he was truly a teacher, if he truly was from God, he would never do that. 2,000 years later, and not much has changed. You know what I'm saying? 2,000 years later, and not much has changed. They were trying to say, if there's anything ugly about you, you keep it in the shadows. Your best self is what we want. Your shadow side, keep it tucked. No one wants to see it. But like we know, it doesn't work. I was reading this book, and it's called Why Good People Do Bad Things. And inside of it, the author talks about the beach ball effect. And she says what happens is everything we try to hide, everything we try to push down, everything we try to say, I'm not claiming it, I'm denying it, it's not part of me, at some point in our life is going to pop. And she said, what happens is when you're busy doing life, when you're busy building your business, when you're busy building your family, when you're busy uh, loving the people you're supposed to love, when you get just distracted enough and you quit paying attention to your emotions, it's always going to pop up. But it usually pops up in a really ugly way. 
She said, imagine the force it takes to hold down a beach ball. Have you ever tried to do this, where you hold a beach ball in the water? It's, it's tough. And she said, what happens is every time you're trying to push down, you're exerting all this energy. But the moment you take your eyes off of it, the moment you take your eyes off of whatever is really going on that you've tried to bury, it pops up. And I just imagine that some of us, we have this rage and we have this anger and we have this pain. And we try to keep it under control. We try to deny it. We try to push it down. But ultimately what happens is it pops up. Often it will splash us in the face and often it will splash the people we love in the face. Some of us might have this desire to be loved, this desire to be seen, but we don't talk about it, we keep it repressed, and it becomes unhealthy. And at just the right time, you, you message someone on Facebook, or you meet someone at work, and your entire family and your entire life can get upheaved in one bad move. Sometimes it's not just one ball, it's multiple, right? And you're juggling, and you're doing your best, and there's just, you can't keep it straight. And she said what happens is inevitably you're going to get splashed. Inevitably, inevitably it's going to come out, and it's going to come out in the kind of way that you don't want it to. People are going to see you at your ugliest. I mean, we hear it all the time, right? You see the scandals all the time. She said what you need to do is you need to create a vent. You need to create a vent so that you can acknowledge your shadow side. You can acknowledge that there are things going on in your heart that you wish weren't. That you just need to acknowledge that there is pain. And instead of pushing it down, now they're at the surface. Instead of pushing it down, you've created a vent where, yes, they're still here. But now light can shine. Now healing can come. And I'm reading this book. It's called Breathing Underwater. Uh, we're doing the sermon series on it. And in it, he talks about shadow boxing. He says, because we all have a shadow side, we have to acknowledge that inside each and every one of us, there is light and there is dark. And it's every single person in this room. You are not, it's not, you can't escape it. It's life. That there is good and that there is bad inside of every single one of us. And to create this vent, we gotta, we gotta fight. You gotta do some shadow boxing, right? And the idea is that you do a searching and a fearless moral inventory of what is going on in your heart. And the idea is you just start to be honest with yourself. You start to be honest to see that there are things going on that you need God for. But the truth is, I would never expect anyone to do this, nor would I ever do it, if God wasn't our safest place. It would be ridiculous to do. You see, the, the disciples are talking with the Pharisees. The haters are hating. And he said, the Pharisees say, why is Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors? And because Jesus is good, he doesn't make his guys have to answer it. He hears and he answers for them. And what does he say? He says, 
verse 12. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He was saying, when you are sick, you don't, you don't, when you're well, you don't need a doctor, but when you are sick, you need a doctor. I will tell the doctor the most embarrassing things about myself because I know that's what they're looking for. I know if I give them the details of what's actually wrong with me, they're going to fix me and they're going to make me better. I also know the doctor doesn't really care what's healthy about me. The doctor is drawn to what's sick. Why? Because that's what he can fix. And Christ is the physician. This is exactly what I want you to hear today. Everything that you do not like about yourself, everything you try to hide, everything you try, try to deny and to hold back, everything you keep in the shadow, Christ is drawn to that because he came to fix it. He came to transform it. And we have flipped this idea for thousands of years. It's hide, shame, hide, uh, uh, if anyone knew, if anyone knew. It's like, bruh, we all have the same issues. Like, none of us have something brand new that has never been created for. But we tell ourselves, no one would get it. No one, if they really knew. But Christ came for that. He came for our brokenness. And he flips his whole idea. Everything we think we need to hide, he's saying, I came to earth for you. What you hate most about yourself is what draws Christ in. Does that not blow your mind when you think about it that way? When I think about it that way, I do not want to hide. I want to bring it out to the light because I want healed. I want a wholeness of life. When I think about it like that, I just know that when you feel the light of Christ, you hunger for more light. When you know that you are met with the God of mercy, not a sacrifice, not I'm just going to do, I'm going to show up and do what you think needs to be done. No, he is a God of mercy. He is a God of compassion. There is nothing that we have gone through that he doesn't understand. Nothing. And I don't know about you, but I can trust a God like that. I don't know about you, but that changes my heart towards my ugliness. I don't know about you, but I hunger and I long for something better. I hunger to shadow box, to fight, to fight against the stuff that I'm so insecure about, that I'm so afraid about. I hunger to be his girl. I long for it with all of my heart. And when we shadow box, I was thinking, how do you really even do this? Because sometimes there are things we've pushed so deep, we don't even know that it's really an issue. And I learned this week that one of the best ways to do some shadow boxing, to get real with yourself, is to make a list, to do this searching inventory, this searching and fearless moral inventory. And I'm going to tell you, when I started doing this, the fear crept in. Because what was my first thought? My first thought was, what if someone sees my list? Right? What if someone sees? And that's the whole idea of stop thinking about that. Stop thinking about what is going to consume, what's stopping you, and get fearless with it. And really search your heart. Search your heart. 
And they said one of the easiest ways to start is you just write a list of your resentments. It could be people, it could be an organization, it could be the church. You just write a list of your resentments. And then next to it, if it's a person's name, if it's an organization, next to it what you do is you say why you have resent in your heart for it. Is it because it triggered pain in you? Is it because it pricked an insecurity and maybe you looked stupid and you resented it? You get honest. This is not a time for faking it. And this is not a time for, I know people have it worse than me, so I'm just going to keep this off the list. It's not a time for that. Your pain matters. Your acknowledging what's going on in your heart matters. So you write down your resentment. You say, why? Why do I resent this? And then next to that, you have to say, what part did you play in it? And what happens is you start to see things you never thought you would see. You start to see things that come up to the light. And it might hurt a little bit. I mean, it's life, right? It might hurt. Some of us have deep pain. Some of us have wounds. And this isn't a time next Sunday that will come, but this Sunday, this is a time where it's just between you and God. This is a time where this searching and this moral inventory is not for everyone around you. It's not for everyone to see. This is for you and God. And I want you to know that God is for you. I want you to see that he came to call not the righteous, but he came to call the sinners. And if we really believe that he died for us, that he died and he gave his life so that we might live. If he took our place, if we truly believe it, then I'm telling you, the price he had to pay is too high for us to stay in the shadows. The price he had to pay is too high for me to tuck, hide, and live half of a life. The price he had to pay is too big, and I want to honor that price he paid. And I want to step into the light and I want to give my life for something better. And I want to heal so we can be whole. We can be complete. And more than that, what gets me, guys, what gets me so much is like, the church is not this building. You are the church. Every person that is in this room makes up the church. And Christ desired mercy, not sacrifice. I am begging you, when you look at yourself, what happens is something of compassion and mercy grows in you. When you take a look and see, I am not as good as I thought I was, something happens where you have compassion on the people around you. And you start to see them in a different way. You start to see their mess-ups in a different way. My desire is we are a church of mercy that when people are at their most broken and they come here for hope, they are not met with judgment and contempt, but they are met with Christ. They are met with love, mercy, and compassion. I'm telling you, it can only happen when you look on the inside. It can only happen when you meet a God who came for everything you hate, who gave his life 
so that you can live and you can live life abundantly can only happen when you trust in him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, my heart is in awe of who you are. I never, ever, ever want to take it for granted. I never want to take for granted that hiding is just what we do. I never want to take for granted the cost. I never want to take for granted why you came to earth. So I pray that you open our hearts, that something of what was said about Matthew's life, something about who he was, will stick out in a new way. I pray, Father, that you will open our hearts and show us who you are so that we can do this searching, so that we can do this moral inventory, so that we can have mercy and kindness for others. In your son's name I pray. One more thing. I'm sorry, one more thing. When I was studying the life of Matthew, I told you there's not much about him. I couldn't really find much about him. But I found something that was really compelling to me. And it was Matthew 10, and it's odd because he just was naming the disciples. So Matthew wrote this book, and he was just listing the disciples. And, and this is what he says. He said, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority. It says, the names of the 12 apostles are first Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. What stuck out to me was why did Matthew list tax collector next to his name? It's in none of the other Gospels. He didn't list anyone else's profession. But I think Matthew encountered Christ in the kind of way where he knew it was safe to own his biggest flaw. I think he encountered God in the kind of way where he said, I'm not hiding it. I'm owning it because this is why Christ gave his life. And I want the same for us.
had Lex when we were in high school. And where her church made her stand publicly in front and ask for forgiveness. My dad stepped in for me. He went to the leaders. I don't know if I'm sharing too much, but here we are. And he said, I'll resign. But if you have anything to say, you say it to me. You don't say it to her. And he stepped in for me. And they said, you sit down. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) And the church surrounded me with love. They surrounded me and my family with mercy. They gave me dignity that I so badly needed. And it changed my life. I want you to know that your heavenly father has stepped in for you. That he loves you and he has called you with a purpose and a plan. And there is nothing in all of creation that will ever separate you from the love of God. And I'm just asking right now that we bow our heads and if you just, if this is a God you love, (laughs) if this is a God you can follow, then today is a good day to give your life to him. Maybe you've given your life to him, but you have been stuck in covering it up and covering the shame. Then today is a good day to recommit your life to following a God who came to give you everything. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are, and I am so sorry that there are things that just are ugly about us, but every single person in this room has it. And I love you, and I thank you for coming for us. I thank you that you gave your life, and Father, we want to honor your gift with ours. I pray that you forgive us, that you help us step into something beautiful, to step into something bold, and to be people in a church of mercy because it is why you came and it is what you desire. I love you with all my heart and in your son's name we pray, amen.